0: Welcome to the Retro Photo Film Podcast, where we break down 50 years of film and digital photography with a true renaissance man. Grab your favorite darkroom snack. It's time to talk photography with your host, Al Tallin. Welcome to Retro Photo Film Podcast. We're going to give you now the last installment of the European trip with my 22 students traveling through Eastern Europe and now we're entering Venice. It's one of those dreams you think about all the time, you go, wow, everybody would like to go to Venice and all of a sudden we are here. You have to take a boat to park your car in a big parking lot and then you take the boat to Venice and you have a choice to go right to the city or go to the glassblowers. So we decided to go to the glass blowers first. Glassblowers, there were a lot of factories there. It's awesome to go watch, see how they do all of this. But the most important thing was that here we are, poor students and everything in the glass factory was way, way, way expensive. I mean, they're blowing glass for the wealthy American tourists and and not the lowly students traveling on budgets. The most fascinating part about the glass blowers was not just how much they worked, they were beautiful, but it was that there were cats, cats everywhere. I looked inside of this one case, and there was all of this beautiful hand-blown glass, and it was like hundreds of dollars, sometimes per piece. And there was a cat laying in the middle of it, just laying there all sprawled out. I thought, but this is pretty cool. They made a glass cat. No, it wasn't a glass cat. It was a real cat. And it was laying there right in the middle of all of this expensive glass-blown artifacts. We asked one of the shop owners, why is it that the cats are laying in amongst expensive hand-blown glass? And she said, that's because we love cats. Cats are one of our most important things here in Venice, and we love them to pieces. And they never break anything. And I went, wow. My cats at my house would have broken everything inside of it. It didn't make a difference what they were doing. So as we wandered around the, the rest of the day through Venice, we noticed how many cats there were everywhere. And the story is because of the fact that they brought all these cats onto the uh, island to get rid of all the mice and the rats, and it worked, and so they love the cats. It's great. Never saw a mouse, sorry, rat, but a lot of cats. The day was spent photographing this wonderful, wonderful place of, of ancient buildings and waterways. And it was so magnificently romantic. Everything you see in the movies and everything you see on pictures is absolutely just so overpowering and beautiful. I thought Venice, though, was a kind of a black and white city. So I didn't shoot any color film except on the way in. Of some of the buildings and then the rest of the day I spent photographing all of this in black and white which to me is even more romantic and more beautiful because it depicts a timeless age not how beautiful is the color. Now I have seen lots of photographs since then uh, especially now that we have HD and some of those colors of Venice are very beautiful but I still stick by my part of saying yes Venice is a lot of cement, a lot of buildings, a lot of bricks, and it still is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous in black and white. The black and white photo that you are seeing with this is the gondolas sitting in one of the canals. We did not ride on any gondolas because of the fact that, again, we're we're poor students. I can't say that because some of the students did, but the crew that was following around with me that day We did not ride on any of them, but we did photograph a lot of it. I think we had to spend most of the time making sure we crossed all the bridges that we could find and photographing those bridges and photographing the waterways. It was just amazing. I think you could probably spend weeks and months there and never capture all of the beauty that is going on in Venice. It's just incredible. One of the highlights of Venice was the Piazza San Marco. We got to sit in a little open-air restaurant at a table outside, eating pizza. you got to think, I mean, you got to be in Italy, and you are got to be in Venice. you got to eat pizza. Pasta, too, but the pizza was fabulous. And sat there and watched all the thousands of pigeons and people walking through, very busy, very full of life and color. It was just marvelous. I would dare say that if a photographer had one place to go in Italy, Venice would be the place to go because you could just shoot and shoot and shoot forever and never be bored with the beautiful shots that you come up with, even the archways, which are beautiful and then the doors that are opening up to something behind them, but the doors are rotted out in the water and it's like, but they're there and they're still being used. And it's like, it's incredible. As a photographer, I'd never seen anything like it before in my life and totally loved it. After that marvelous day in Venice, we knew we had to leave because we had to get to France. We were headed to Strasbourg and then we would spend the night in Strasbourg and then headed from there back into Germany to Frankfurt. Again, (laughs) they've been following along this whole time most of the time when we get to a city, it's at nighttime, and we find a place to uh, sleep, and lay our heads, and then wake up the next morning early and head out and start photographing, spend the day there, then leave again and head to the next place. Well, Strasbourg wasn't any different, except Strasbourg was, it is a beautiful city. It was really kind of fun because it was a holiday. We didn't know that. We have no clue. We got there, and the hotel was just Delightful, wonderful, and nice. And they were so accommodating and so nice to us, even when we got there late at night. Wandering this city, we found it <laughs> pretty bare, not a lot of people around, and it's because of the holiday. But what happened was that there was a band, a huge band, marching down the street, playing French music, some kind of a march of some kind. So we thought, hey, let's follow the band. So we just kind of followed along behind and It was a great experience, all except for the fact that one of the bands, not the one I was riding in, but the other band, (laughs) the students locked the keys inside the van, trying to find someone who could open the van, could pick the locks, get into the van on a holiday in Strasbourg, France, was absolutely almost impossible. But we did find one, and it cost us quite a bit to get it open, but we had, to <laughs> we had to have it open because we needed to travel, and so that was the most exciting thing that happened in Strasbourg, except that and there was a beautiful, beautiful cathedral there. Every city had one of these wonderful, beautiful churches that just is so incredible, uh, lucky people to have these ancient, wonderful establishments that are so beautiful. We couldn't get into all the great things like the patisseries because everything was closed. Well, there was a couple of restaurants, so we did have some nice meals, but we didn't get to go into a chocolate shop or a pastry shop and gorge ourselves. But the restaurants were pretty good. As we packed up and left Strasbourg, we were headed to Frankfurt. We needed to be there that night to check into the hotel because the next morning, we left Frankfurt to head back to United States. We got to the hotel exhausted, tired. We did not even go out and spend any time in the city of Frankfurt that evening because we were so tired. Because of that, we kind of slept in. We really didn't get up as early as we thought we were. So we had to take and go back take the vans to the rental place, return the vans, get our luggage, get everything back into the concourse to board our planes. As we did check in all of our luggage, checked in everything else, got ready, we're at the gates, and all of a sudden they said, oh, I'm sorry, you can't get on. You should have been here two hours before your flight. You missed it by five minutes. And we're like, what? about 10 or 12 did not make that plane that day. I fought and fought and screamed and yelled and tried to find someone who would let us on because our seats were there, but they said, nope, we're not not boarding you, we're not letting you on. So unfortunately, some had to stay overnight in the airport in Frankfurt and board the plane the next morning to Salt Lake City. So it was kind of like a wild adventure doing this. The other thing that was really kind of fun was that the fact that wasn't really fun having them not get on a plane. But as I was checking my luggage, the guy picked up the one luggage and I said, piece of uh, German luggage that I had bought in Berlin. And he picked it up and he goes, Wow, this is really heavy. He says, What have you got in here? Rocks? (laughs) I said, Yes, I do. (laughs) Little did he know it was. I brought back. 50 pounds of the Berlin Wall with me as we were there. I chopped it off and stuck it back in, bought a piece of luggage just exactly for this. This was long before luggage restrictions and weight restrictions. And when you were a little heavy, you just gave the guy a few bucks and they passed it through. But I did make it back with all 50 pounds of the Berlin Wall. And throughout the years, I have been jumping up little pieces of it. A lot of it was in little pieces, but I've been giving it to friends and family and and people who remember that era and wanted a memento from them. If you had no idea what these little rocks were, you'd probably pick them up and go, hey, what are we doing with these rocks? Check them out, because they don't look like they've come off of the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall had a lot of graffiti on it, and I think that's where most people are like, oh, this is really cool. You can see the graffiti from the Berlin Wall. We didn't have that because all of it that I chopped off was at the Bandenberg Gate, so there wasn't any more graffiti left on that poor part, just bricks and mortar and rocks and whatever else. So, But I still have all of that. I still have about 15 pounds of that today. I'm really happy that you have listened to all seven episodes of this crazy story. It was a long, fun trip. I was very grateful that I didn't have anybody lose any limbs or eyes or uh, anything else. A couple got arrested and, you know, but they got out. And most of the time, my students were all really good students. They did as many crazy things as they could get away with. And there's a lot of crazy stuff they really did get away with. But that's what students do. You can imagine traveling 20 days in Europe with some of the hotel arranged and most of them not. We had to find them as we went along. And you never knew kind of like where we were going to stay from day to day unless it already had been prearranged. So it was interesting because some of the nights we slept in those vans, they became our buddies living in and out of that vans for 20 days, (laughs) taking our luggage in and out, in and out back and forth, unpacking, packing, but most important was keeping our camera gear close to us because after all, we really were a photographic expedition. And I'd have to say that all the film that Kodak donated to us was shot and used on that trip. Everyone photographed as much as they could because we had the film and Everything was magnificent to photograph. Upon our return to Salt Lake City, we did have some exhibits from all of the students, and I was amazed at the beauty of all of the photographs and the essence of Europe and Eastern Europe that my students had captured on film. I was very proud of this whole thing because the fact that what we set out to do, my students had accomplished. That in itself was a major feat. Beautiful, beautiful black and white color photographs depicting that era, that time in 1990 when the Eastern European countries were being set free and leaving communism behind. What a documentary that had turned out to be. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Retro Photo Film Podcast and this crazy trip. Tune in next time and I will be talking about Dale Chihuly. I photographed Dale Chihuly in 1975 as he spent some time here in Salt Lake City. Uh, It's a fascinating three months of my life. You have been listening to the Retro Photo Film Podcast. Follow Al on Instagram at Retro to see all his latest photos and learn more about the stories behind the photos. Oh, shit.